Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm your host, Jordan Jones. We're a few hours away from the calendar officially turning to March here on Sunday, February 28th. Two weeks from right now, we will have a bracket for the NCAA tournament. It's the best time of the year. I am more than excited to preview and analyze some March basketball here on Boilers and Beyond. This past week, Purdue took care of business on Friday night and then some with their 73-52 win over Penn State, putting the Boilers in a great spot with just one week remaining in the regular season. I can't believe we're already to this point where conference tournaments are starting and we're in serious bubble watch, coaches getting fired, NBA draft discussions. It's that time of year again. It seems like the season has flown by as it always does. But let's talk about that win in State College and preview the final week of regular season play. But first and foremost, rest in peace to Purdue radio legend Larry Clisby, the longtime voice of Purdue basketball. You know, so many fans in the state of Indiana grew up listening to basketball on the radio with Clisby at Purdue and Don Fisher at Indiana. And, you know, prior to the Big Ten Network, I was young, but I listened to some Larry Clisby games, you know, back home in Warsaw, Indiana. And the guy's a legend. Uh, He is a true Purdue icon, you know, 42 years on the call of Boilermaker basketball. Always going to be very thankful that I got to see him uh, in person a few times last year downstairs in Mackey Arena before games. And it's always going to upset me that he was never able to call a Final Four for Purdue. He had so many great legendary calls for Purdue games with his signature bullseye. It would have been incredible to let him get on the biggest stage with the team, but he'll be missed. Listening to the radio broadcasts isn't the same without Kliz doing it. I've listened to a little bit of the radio this year, and it's just not the same without Kliz. Uh, I do look forward to listening to the pregame radio show on WAZY on Tuesday to hear Rob Blackman uh, talk about Kliz a little bit and some of his memories after he's you know, spent so long working with the Kliz, but rest in peace, Kliz. You'll be missed by the Purdue family. But Purdue did get a really good win on Friday night at Penn State. Uh, a Friday night game is always kind of weird. It's not something that I think I'm necessarily used to yet. I know we're seeing it in both football and basketball with Friday night games becoming more common. I'm not a fan of it. I much prefer leaving Friday night in both football and basketball for the high schools. But, hey, I don't have any say in that. That is between Fox and the Big Ten Conference. Sasha Stefanovic returned to the starting lineup in this game in place of Brandon Newman. And I wasn't sure whether it would happen or not. But Newman's been really up and down since he had that 29-point performance against Minnesota back in January. Stefanovic, on the other hand, played really well against Nebraska. A little bit more consistent, obviously, as a junior compared to a freshman. Uh, That's normal. And, 
you know, with Jaden Ivey in the lineup, he's not coming out. I don't think I don't think we'll ever see him come off the bench again in black and gold. I really don't. Um, so it was interesting to see that happened. I'm never one who puts some tremendous amount of weight in the starting lineup. I know it certainly does affect a player's rhythm and it can affect players' confidence, but I'm not someone who freaks out too much about the lineup. And I think sometimes, as we saw earlier this year with Travion Williams, it can be just as beneficial to play a guy off the bench, whether it be temporary or permanent. You know, some guys just come in better off the bench. And in this game, Eric Hunter Jr. and Newman each picked up two fouls really quickly in the first half. And I got worried at that point. You know, I don't know that Purdue has had a game all season with some serious foul trouble at the guard spot. If they have, I can't think of it. It's not coming to my head. That forced Safanovich and Ivy to make some plays, and they did. Those two combined for 20 first half points. Purdue got some good post play as well with Williams and Edie combining for six, uh, excuse me, 12 in the first half. Six apiece. So Purdue got some good play on offense in the first half. I think if you if you looked at the first half early on, Penn State was knocking down some threes early on. Purdue didn't bat an eye. Purdue stuck to their defensive assignments. It worked out. Penn State comes out of the locker room and cut it to a nine-point game, but Purdue came right back with a run. Put it out of reach. Boilers win easily. It was a really balanced scoring effort by Purdue in this game. Sasha Stefanovic, leading scorer with 16 points. Trevion Williams, Jaden Ivey, Eric Hunter all had double digits as well. The minute distribution in this game was fairly interesting. Isaiah Thompson played 18 minutes. That's more than I can remember him playing recently. Uh, Newman's foul trouble, and he didn't have a great game, even in spite of the foul trouble. Um, Only 10 minutes for him. That has to be his lowest of the season. I can't think of him playing less than that. As a whole, though, Purdue shot 50% from the field, 36% from three. If you're Purdue, you love that number, especially that three-point number, which has really been a problem for Purdue at some times this year. Those are good numbers. Those are numbers you win with. And the big stat to me that stood out was rebounding. First time we saw Purdue play Penn State, Purdue really struggled um, to box out Penn State. I remember the first possession of the game for the Nittany Lions. I believe they had four offensive rebounds on one possession. Purdue shored that up. Purdue did very well on the glass, won the rebounding battle 41-28. to That is fantastic against a team like Penn State who just plays hard. You know, they're not that big. They're not speed demons, but they play hard. And to dominate the rebounding battle like that, that's excellent for Purdue. A few thoughts about Purdue in the win and going forward. It's obvious fans really want to see Aaron Wheeler succeed, as you should. He's a kid who it's easy to root for him because things have gone so poorly the last couple years for him, and 
you know, it's just a tough break. He, he shot well his freshman year, and he hasn't found it since then. But he's played really well the last two games. Friday night, five points, seven rebounds, three assists, and he was a plus 12 in 15 minutes. That's a really good game. You know, you're active on both ends with that seven rebounds number, with that three assists number. He gets a bucket around the basket, knocks down an open corner three. When Wheeler's able to be productive, Purdue's a much better team. And when I refer to Wheeler being productive, I don't mean that he needs to score 10 points. I don't even mean that he needs to score. But when you're able to have those seven rebounds and three assists and be a plus 12, that's all really productive stuff. That's really good, and I tweeted about that on Friday. A lot of fans of Aaron Wheeler seem to like it a lot. I stand by it, though. The way he plays is so important for Purdue because he gives you another layer off the bench of someone who can go rebound, of someone who can guard the four and five spot, and he isn't usually left completely wide open to shoot. So if you're Purdue, you really want to see him playing well, and you got to feel good about yourself when Aaron Wheeler is playing well. Another game where Sasha Stefanovic's evolution was on display as much as you'll ever see. He really has gotten better every year he's been at Purdue. And I watched him in high school uh, as junior year, played Warsaw in the Uh, Michigan City Regional Championship, and then a regular season game his senior year. I wasn't always sure that he was Big Ten material. Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, That's why Matt Painter is handing out the scholarships, and I am sitting here behind a microphone talking about it. But we've seen him get better. You know, he comes in, he red shirts, obviously. You know, that team didn't need him by any means. But... After his freshman year, he was good at shooting in place, but that was really about it. So he gets better at shooting on the move, coming off a screen, somewhat setting his feet and putting one up. He got a lot better at that before his sophomore season. Then after his sophomore season, when we see much more uh, potential from him, you know, he has some really good games last year, hit some big shots against Minnesota and Northwestern. This year, he got so much better at putting the ball on the floor and making plays to the point now that's been his best offense in some games this year. The Ohio State game in Columbus, uh, Friday night in State College, those are two games right there where Stefanovic didn't shoot the ball great, but he was able to be so productive because of his increased ability to put the ball on the floor, only two for six from three, three for three inside the arc, four of five at the four of five at the stripe. He's just making plays and getting sixteen points out of that when you don't shoot well is really really good stuff, and that has helped him so much as he's come back from COVID. You know, you're not shooting for a long time when you go through COVID and have to isolate. Then he comes back and the shooting isn't necessarily there right away. 
But now with Stefanovic being able to put the ball on the floor and go make a play around the basket, that opens up your game so much more. And it's been huge for this team. And with this team, you know, that's two straight comfortable wins on the road for a young team. I don't care that it's Nebraska and Penn State, two of the bottom four teams of the conference for sure. But I don't care. Those are good wins. And when you're a young team, the especially the Friday night game, that's not an ideal time to be playing. You're a fairly long flight away into State College. It's not an ideal spot to be playing a game with a young team. And Purdue didn't show any signs of worrying about that. Purdue just came out and played really well. Um, the Bryce Jordan Center as a whole is a place where Purdue has not played well. You can think back to, I believe it was 2017 when Ryan Klein hit some threes in overtime, and 2019 Carson Edwards made some big plays in overtime. But these are overtime games. or close games down to the wire. You have to be thrilled if you're a Purdue fan. You watch Purdue give up some threes early on, and you watch Purdue just weather the storm, stick to their defensive assignments, and really just run Penn State out of the gym. This isn't a great Penn State team. Jim Ferry's got a really tough situation there with Pat Chambers getting fired so soon before the season. Uh, that's a tough spot to be in if you're a Penn State fan. But you know this is one of the youngest teams in the country in Purdue. And they've been incredibly competitive in a loaded conference. The Big Ten's going to be loaded again next year. But instead of Purdue being that dark horse team, Purdue's going to be a preseason favorite. And that's going to be a different dynamic that Purdue really hasn't necessarily felt a whole lot recently. Coming up next for Purdue, though, they're done leaving the state of Indiana. The regular season finishes up at Mackey Arena before the Big Ten and NCAA tournaments are in Indianapolis. So Purdue's done leaving the state. They will more than likely be the team to travel the least to get to the controlled environment, as they're calling it, in Indianapolis for the tournament. Um, so Purdue's in a good spot there. They've had some interesting travel trips. The Maryland game really sticks out as one of those, but you know they're on a bus now. That's all they're doing. That's good. But before they even get on the bus to Indianapolis, they start with two straight home games to wrap up the Big Ten season. 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, Wisconsin at Purdue. You know, Wisconsin's been a bit of a disappointment this year in my book. I really expected them to be a top four team in the conference, and they're not really close to that. They're number five in the preseason polls, uh, one of the league favorites. They got all their uh, returning production back from last year, basically, and they haven't done much. They nearly pulled off a comeback against Illinois on Saturday that would have changed some things. Dimitri Trice with 29 points. It wasn't enough to keep the Badgers in it. Uh, they're sitting at 10-8 and eight in Big Ten play. And they're sitting at 24 in the rankings as I record this. Chances are 
the rankings will be posted by the time you listen to this. If it's after Monday at noon, then they are posted new. I don't think Wisconsin would be ranked. I do think Purdue will be. Uh, It's another win. There were some losses in front of them. Tennessee lost. Missouri, I can't remember if Missouri was ranked right ahead of them or not, but Missouri lost, Wisconsin lost, Purdue should be in the rankings, I think. Uh, I don't know that the team minds flying under the radar the way they kind of have been, but they're one of the best 25 teams in the nation. You can't convince me otherwise on that. And then Sunday at 2 p.m., Indiana at Purdue Boilers are seeking their ninth straight win over the Hoosiers. That's completely astounding to me still. You know, every time I see it and I see the number of days since Purdue beat IU, it just blows my mind every time. That program has completely fallen apart. They're sitting at 12 and 12 overall, 7 and 10 in league play. You know, I trust, you know, if you guys listening are all Purdue fans. I'm sure you have IU buddies on Twitter and you see the IU delusionalists on Twitter. They're a mess. The fire Archie Miller crowd has reached a fever pitch. I think they're going to get their way. I don't know how this new athletic director, Scott Dolson, can justify bringing him back at this point. But I think they're going to get their way. The program isn't what it used to be. This is now... Indiana's fourth losing Big Ten record in the last five seasons. Purdue handled the Hoosiers easily last time around in Bloomington. Trace Jackson Davis had 25 points in that game, but you wouldn't have known it. And that's what really says a lot. IU was never really all that close in that game. This is weird, though, because I I really think Purdue's going to win this game fairly easily. I don't say that about Purdue-IU games really ever, but that's where I'm at right now. A loss to Purdue on Saturday would probably be the final straw that ends the Archie Miller tenure. I do think he'll coach the Big Ten tournament. I don't know what IU would do with a potential NIT bid. I can't imagine they would play the NIT if they decide to fire Miller. Um, that fan base is beyond sick of what they're doing now. The $10 million or so buyout isn't enough of an obstacle to make, to make the decision harder. Uh, I think IU will be fine getting that money and making the decision to fire Archie Miller. You know, Purdue does still have that Nebraska game from early January that it would uh, in theory like to make up. At this point, I just have to assume it's probably not going to happen. And for Purdue's sake, I don't think it's that big a deal. Purdue's got nothing to gain from playing that game, but they have a lot to lose. You could drop a seed in the tournament. You could drop a seed in the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, I don't think it says much about Nebraska, but they did just beat Minnesota. Uh, The Gophers are falling apart. Marcus Carr scores 41, and you lose to the worst team in the conference. That's blowing my mind. I know Gabe Kalsher's out, but that's not a game that Minnesota should have come close to losing. And really, it doesn't make a lot of sense on the calendar for Purdue and Nebraska to play. 
you know, what are you going to do? Play it Sunday, Monday? If you get to Tuesday, Nebraska's going to be playing on Wednesday in the Big Ten tournament in the first round. So I don't see it happening, but I guess you never know if it needs to be that way for seeding purposes in the Big Ten tournament. Big Ten wide to close out the show here today. Michigan is virtually a lock to win the conference regular season. It's pretty unbelievable how strong of a start Jawan Howard is up is off to up in Ann Arbor for his college coaching career. He's been excellent. He is recruiting very well, and these teams are dangerous as can be. They play hard. They play pretty smart, and they're very skilled. In addition to Archie Miller, I think Richard Patino has to be in any conversation about coaches getting fired. That's long time overdue. Patino's had some talent up there and has completely wasted it. I do think it's time for that school to make a change. And then Northwestern is going to have to start probably having conversations about Chris Collins. I think he'll get another year at least with how young this group is. Everyone should return. But the program isn't trending in the right direction. And it really hasn't since they lost in the NCAA tournament to Gonzaga in 2017. But it's just not trending in the right direction. They had a lot of that same group back the next year, and they were horrible. We'll see what they look like there. In the Big Ten Player of the Year debate, you know, some years it's close. Jared Sullinger, Jawan Johnson stands out as one that was incredibly close. For a while, it looked like Luca Garza, Io Desunmu could get there, but Desunmu struggled in a loss to Michigan State earlier this past week, and then he broke his nose on a flagrant uh, foul for Matty Sissoko, a pretty dirty play, um, really pretty obvious what Sissoko was looking to do. I think Garza, even though he's had some less than stellar performances recently, he was awesome in Iowa's win versus Michigan State, excuse me, at Ohio State today. Um, I think he'll end up winning it, but it's not all that exciting of a race anymore. You really would have liked to have Garza and Dasunmu each leading their teams toward a Big Ten regular season title, but Michigan is going to wrap that up, barring anything insanely unforeseen. As of right now, Purdue would be the four seed in the Big Ten tournament if they only play 19 conference games and that Nebraska game does not get made up. I don't know how that would factor into seeding. I assume it's win percentage, but Purdue does if they get to that point. They do own a tiebreaker with Ohio State, and then Iowa has a tiebreaker over Purdue. Iowa currently a spot ahead of Purdue. Ohio State currently a spot below Purdue. This is going to be a lot of fun. Final week of the regular season. The season hasn't all been smooth sailing, but we've made it to the best time of the year. As John Rothstein would say, grab your nitroglycerin pills because this is March. That's all I have for you today. Thank you for spending time with me. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Boilers Beyond for news and in-game analysis. Boilers and Beyond is available wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. 
I'll be back next Monday with a new episode to recap the regular season and get you ready for the Big Ten Tournament. Until then, enjoy the action.